Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Show Spoilers Episode 9, Mr. Robot Season 3, Episode 7. I'm Kevin Brackett, and joining me as always is my co-host, Roger Roper. Hey, Raj. Hello, good evening, good morning, wherever you are listening to this. Uh, This episode, man, I don't know, I don't know, my father is still in town uh, for Thanksgiving, uh, and unfortunately, uh, I made him watch this with me. This show is completely the wrong show to show or to have on your television and display it to your 65-year-old father without any kind of context. Uh, he is – he kept saying to me, I don't understand the show. I don't get it. Uh, I don't understand it. And I'm like, Dad, I have a podcast and I don't even understand it. Uh, but yeah, it was a great episode. <laughs> yeah, it, that's so funny because I feel like we could create an entirely different podcast – based on you showing this to your father and then right. trying to explain it and talk to him about it. I just feel like we have something there. Like, right. uh, what was that show where, like, uh, Stuff My Dad Says or Shit My right. Dad Says? Exactly. You know, it would be like trying to talk to him about this show and, <laughs> and the zany questions and uh, theories that would come out of that. But, oh, uh, without a doubt. But we don't have that now. That's a show for maybe another time. But this episode, we are talking about Mr. Robot. And, you know, I've been pushing this uh, time travel parallel universe theory i was so excited last episode and then i watched this episode and i'm not completely throwing that away but now i'm also questioning my own theory here and i'm starting to wonder is it just a red herring that i was following so religiously but uh We'll definitely get into that. Let's tell everyone where they can find us. Of course, if you're if you're listening to this, you probably already know, but you can find us on Twitter at all the spoilers. You can email us your thoughts, theories, corrections, whatever you want. We have a Gmail account. It's theshowspoilers at gmail.com. If you found us from listening to Real Spoilers, we thank you. Uh, that's a movie podcast that I do on a weekly basis where we spoil the latest movies. So you can always join the discussion on Facebook uh, at uh, it's facebook.com slash real spoilers or join the League of Show Shares. And Raj, where can people find you? You do some podcasts yourself. I do. I do. I co-host uh, two other podcasts, Shat the Movies, S-H-A-T, The Movies uh, we review 80s and 90s movies from our childhood that you, the audience, uh, select from. And we also do uh, TV show reviews over at Shat on TV, such as Westworld, Taboo. We do Game of Thrones, American Gods. So we do all that. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger underscore Roper, R-O-E-P-E-R. Awesome. And what did, what have you guys reviewed lately on Shat the Movies? What's your big movie? Yeah, so we just did uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because it was Thanksgiving. Perfect. I watched it. Did you watch it again over the holiday? I, I did, of course. Uh, great. You know, it's it's a good movie. It's I would say maybe the best Thanksgiving movie, but it's not it's not a fantastic movie. I, I gave it a uh, a three and a half wipe, uh, which is um, the equivalent of me opening a Diet Coke on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you what a, beer you were opening. Yeah, Diet Coke. <laughs> it is a. Um, yeah, no. So it's it's slightly below average, but because there's three of us uh, and, and we have the shat meter. Um, it all, I think, equated to uh, somewhere in the norm. So the rating system works. Uh, but we are going to be doing seven uh, this week. We're going to be recording that tomorrow. Uh, the uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, oh, you can't say that. Shh, shh, shh. Hey, no, no, no. It's not the Kevin Spacey movie. You can't say that anymore. Oh, uh, that's right. It's Morgan the, Freeman. It's, it's Morgan Brad Pitt. Freeman and Brad Pitt. David Fincher film. Yes, we can't. It's, it's That's right. He who shall not be named. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there's a part in that movie that uh, we'll be discussing uh, at Shat the Movies quite that, that just kind of plays into the whole news. Uh, but yeah, no, the um, it listen, spoiler, Seven's a fantastic movie. <laughs> it, it it really is. I, I would it, suggest watching it. Yes, that is one of my and, favorite Fincher films. It's excellent. Yeah, we, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of holiday movies coming up because uh, it is going to be Christmas, so we're going to be reviewing those as well. Um, but you guys just did uh, a couple movies over at Real Spoilers. Yeah, we we just talked about Justice League, so I don't know where the <laughs> listeners fall on that film. Uh, you know, yeah. personally, just I mean, to get it real brief, you can go listen to it. Maybe you already have it. Real Spoilers, but uh, I thought that it was entertaining for the time that I was in it. It was not a good movie by any means. It was also not a terrible movie. It was just kind of there uh it was way better than i expected because my expectations were lower than rock bottom so i was like okay i mean i saw it i i passed two hours of time would i ever watch it again probably not um it really just did a disservice to what they were doing with wonder woman and it was like they took two steps forward and 10 steps backwards and uh it was really a shame uh but talking about good movies uh moving forward here we just posted an episode about coco the new disney pixar film oh nice yeah i absolutely loved it i've actually seen it twice within the first week it came out so good so go ahead and uh, listen to that this week on real spoilers perfect but uh, let's get into Mr. Robot. Uh, so, uh, like I said earlier, we talked about on our big double feature episode, we talked about how I was so excited about the uh, theories about time travel. And I've had this long running theory here, and I'm so sure after the last episodes that it was happening. But uh, we're going to get into the heads of some of the characters, specifically Angela in this episode. And I'm really starting to wonder what White Rose's agenda is. And uh, they obviously, White Rose has been stringing angela along and she's been going along with the dark army's plans because as we've talked about uh her actions at least negative ones we didn't think that they had any consequences if everything's going to be rebooted or maybe a new timeline would start whatever you want to call it uh but after this episode i'm just starting to think that she may just be really going through some mental trauma yeah she seemed very crazy um and i was mentioning i was texting you throughout the episode and i and it, it really felt – now, obviously, Mr. Robot has done a lot of things that shows like House of Cards do where they <clears throat> parody or they they compare real-life events and uh, they put in similar um, – I don't know, metaphors? Metaphors is the right word or allusions to – Real life events, a satire or yeah, uh, kind of like a satire, but it, an allegory, really, an sorts. allegory. There you go. Yeah. Um. Okay. So it's it it really felt like Angela was someone who was crazy or 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 lost their mind uh, shortly after like a, a major event like nine eleven. Yeah. Where she's glued to the television, she can't take her eyes off of it. Um, obviously she feels some remorse. Uh, she feels uh, responsible for what happened. Uh, what was it? 71 E-Corp buildings and about 4,000 people passed away for people. 4,000 people died. Yeah, the count just so, kept going up. Uh, you know, she originally said three, and then she said, oh, maybe four. And I, I'm willing to bet, because I was doing the math in my head, in 71 occupied buildings, those huge of buildings, I can't imagine the toll doesn't go over 4,000. Right, right. So, I mean, you you have to imagine that uh, – I, I just felt like this episode really um, – it, 
it connected the dots for me of what they're trying to say. At least that that's what I got out of it. But yeah, no, Angela seems a little crazy now. She does, and nuts. I, I'm I'm really hoping that she pulls through. So we'll get into it more in depth. But I'm still pulling for Angela. I hope that everything hasn't been a lie and she hasn't been completely manipulated. Although we know there's definitely been some manipulation. Uh, but yeah, let's get into this episode. So uh, the title of the episode, uh, first of all, uh, is pretty straightforward. So a lot of the episode titles are very coded. There's a lot of terminology that is very techy. They have uh, things that sound like code or file names that would be associated with computers. Uh, but this one is pretty straightforward. It's Frederick plus Tanya dot chk so frederick and tanya are the aliases of trenton and mobley uh these are the two f society hackers of course that were working with mr robot and darlene and the last time we saw them was at the end of season two when the dark army had them so we knew that spelled out bad news uh and finally we're seeing what happened to them uh so it picks off with the the show starts with one of the fan favorites of the series leon who was of course in jail with ellie after the big season two twist uh he comes back and he has been given a mission to kind of babysit the two of them we don't really know what the agenda is at this time uh but it starts off with a pretty funny conversation uh he's talking about knight rider and fraser yeah this was <laughs> well <laughs> again it's it's the perfect reintroduction to a character right because uh, a lesser show would have regurgitated some of his Seinfeld anecdotes sort of been like, Oh, it's the Seinfeld guy again. But obviously he takes his shows very seriously. Uh, and I would subscribe 100% uh, to a, uh, to his podcast, to Leon's podcast, right? You're going to break something down. Um, yeah, I too don't know why Frazier was that popular, uh, of a character, uh, or that, or that show. It always seemed like a very elitist show. And my family kind of watched it a little bit, but, uh, no, I always, um, found uh, as a kid uh, my enjoyment of Knight Rider was much greater than that of Frasier but if you look back at it now as adults they're both pretty terrible television series. <laughs> yeah, d- Leon definitely loves his TV shows, and it, yeah. it is, it's very funny. Again, the writing is so good. We've mentioned it time and time again, but it's not just the realistic computer hacker-type writing. It's also the down-to-earth, just relatable right. 90s television, for example, writing. And, uh, you know, I didn't find it that Leon necessarily hated Frazier in his conversation. He was just more perplexed as how this, how this old balding guy was pulling so much tail. And, <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's the voice. It's the voice. It's the voice, and the fact that he w- had a radio show. There you go. I'm still I'm still waiting for those uh, sweet sweet podcast groupies to start knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah, they're coming. Just keep waiting. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be there soon. It's Raj. like no, it's like the free beer tomorrow sign, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, no, the but I also like how they interwove that into the opening uh, credit sequence again with that overhead shot uh-huh. uh, with the Knight Rider music in the background. Uh, kudos to them uh, for utilizing that. But then also, did you guys, did you get like a, a spy hunter feel? Yeah, definitely. Remember the game spy hunter uh, yeah. where the, the black car that's oh, it was, it was great. And at that point you didn't know who was in the car. Yeah. It was- you, didn't, you didn't know what was going on there again. 
brilliant brilliant opening yeah yeah it's so cool i love how this show does a different opening every week it's something that you just don't really see obviously most shows week to week have the same intro but i like how the credit sequence the the music the camera angles they're always related to that specific episode so yeah it was great once again uh very cool to see that uh but i like i like how uh it's very awkward how leon is sitting on the the couch with these two trenton and mobley talking about this stuff and they are so clearly uncomfortable and we didn't even mention there's a dead body on the floor uh that's right (laughs) that uh the dark army has killed i i'm guessing this was mobley's roommate it's his friend but Mm. i i took it as they lived together and so they come he comes home or they come home into this apartment and see this dead guy and uh after seeing that you've got leon talking to them about 90s sitcoms and and old uh, david hasselhoff shows uh just it's just funny it's that awkward situation that uh Mr. Robot is so good at doing, making you laugh, but also making you feel awkward at the same time, right? Um, yeah, it's pretty much uh, how I feel every time I go to a, like a public uh, pool, swimming pool. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Uh, so uh, this this episode after that, uh, we go from the Trenton and Mobley slash Leon situation to Elliot going to Krista, and he starts talking to his psychiatrist. Uh, we haven't seen her for a little bit, but Elliot obviously realizes after everything that went down in the last episode. Uh, I mean, think about it. He's been fighting and fighting this entire season for for this is you know six episodes up until this point where he's been fighting to stop these UPSs from exploding and taking down all the paper records in this one e-court building and again 71 e-court buildings exploded so it was all for naught and uh he now has to deal with the repercussions and his his mental situation uh and also dealing with the Mr. Robot stuff so he goes to Krista and uh mr robot takes over and uh, they have another one of those great transitions where elliot is fighting and struggling and he ends up uh, up against the bookcase and he makes that transition where then we see christian slater and his mr robot outfit uh which i believe we decided that he does not go into the phone booth and change into no, mr robot yeah i don't think he does <laughs> that um but here's the thing do you think that uh, christo was uh was was going was was goading him into turning as Mr. Robot like now that she understands the code so to speak to get Mr. Robot to appear do you think that she did that intentionally that's a good question at the time when I watched it I wasn't thinking that way but I could completely see that because I really do feel like Krista believes Elliot is a good person and mm-hmm. obviously she's a professional she understands that these are two different personalities it's not like Elliot has control over this and and Elliot would not do things to hurt people he's a good guy you think about all the things that we know about Elliot and all the things we've seen him done Krista knows that too so I believe that she is trying to help him and cure him. And if she's going to do that, she has to talk to this Mr. Robot guy, uh, who is the bad guy, who is his, his evil alter eagle. You know, if you were going to say a good and bad, sure. you know, not necessarily yeah. that he's complete evil from what we're seeing here, but yeah, you get it. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I buy it. That's yeah. That's the one thing that I think that I got out of that scene is that, uh, she's pressuring him. Uh, she's not, you know, in, in the past, when we've seen Elliot uh, at his at her office, she doesn't seem to be as aggressively questioning him, and it really felt like that's what she was trying to do here. But that you also um, see her with the police afterwards. 
Yeah, so uh, she gets she. I think she gets more than she bargained for when she does finally talk to Mister Robot again, and uh, he pretty much he spills all the beans. He tells it all. She she's uh, alluding that he may have had something to do with the F Society Five Nine stuff, and Mister Robot just straight out. I mean, he is defensive because he owns his plan and and all of his involvement in Five Nine, and so when she says you know these guys did this and f society did that and and blah blah blah. he basically comes out and is like no that's my plan i came up with that i'm the mastermind i'm the architect and uh, that that really starts to worry her and mr robot is going on and on about how he was responsible for that and how he was trying to do this with the paper records and and uh, it was only supposed to be this building and they're screwing him over and uh, you can see the look on her face just go to complete worry and she realizes that she's dealing with someone and honestly believes that Elliot as Mr. Robot may be responsible for the biggest terrorist attack in the entire history of the U S did you, did you think that a character, so Mr. Robot is supposedly supposed to be the defense mechanism for Elliot, right? And he's supposed to be the, the brilliant mastermind behind five, nine. Why then would he spill all the beans to Krista? Like, do you think it's a little out of character? For him to do that? Well, I think that Mr. Robot, so if, if, you know, to separate the two characters, so Elliot's the good guy. Elliot did create Mr. Robot as a defense mechanism, but it has turned into something so much more at this point. And now Mr. Robot, he's trying to do these things that he thinks are righteous. He thinks that he's saving the world by taking down E Corp, who's this evil corporation. But we found out that E Corp isn't really the, the evil corporation that we thought. So, Dark Army has been pulling the strings, and we're going to get into it with this conversation between Price and and Zhang. But uh, we find out that Price, the CEO of E Corp, is only there because Zhang wanted it. So their Dark Army's been pulling the strings here, and and really, it's not E Corp itself that's so bad. It all goes back to Dark Army. So. I think that Mr. Robot now is just completely perplexed. And, uh, you know, it was his plan as much as Elliot's. And you remember that back and forth they had in in the uh, episode where uh, Elliot was, uh, it was the one before the last one, I believe, that was the continuous tracking shot where Elliot has to fight with Mr. Robot at the end. And uh, he starts to convince him that uh, Dark Army's actually playing Mr. Robot and he starts to believe it. And obviously after the last episode with all the building uh, you know the 71 buildings going down mr robot wasn't aware of that so i think that all the five nine stuff to him seems like small potatoes at this point right so he's not afraid to talk about it because there's this whole other thing happening and what does the future in store it can be so much worse that's true it's true like okay. he's, he's thinking emotionally it's not rational at this point it's but, like but, but you don't think so you don't believe that e-corp is completely evil no, I, you know, it's kind of funny. It goes back to what Elliot was saying when he started working for E Corp. Remember when he's like, they're evil, but maybe they're not that evil or they're the lesser of evils? I, uh, I don't think E Corp is as bad as he thought. I think that, remember, uh, Zhang and the Dark Army have had their hands with all this stuff. So Elliot's dad, uh, you're talking about Angela's mom. We're talking about Price being instilled and the guy that came before Price, as we learn a little bit later on. All that is because of the Dark Army. So, I mean, E Corp, 
may be evil because of Dark Army, but it's not just like this company doing their own thing. I think it's sure. all the influence from Dark Army. So I'm not saying they're squeaky clean, but we find out <laughs> we find out who the real villains of this story are in this episode. That's true. Well, let's keep going. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, Wellick's lawyer ends up coming in. We remember he was taken into custody in the last episode, and he starts coming to 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 Dom and Santiago and starts talking about how his client, uh, you know, is not responsible for all this. He's already been clear. Dom starts to bring up this murder charge and he reminds them that he was clear of that. And, uh, you know, it was just an interesting conversation about all the technicalities and everything. And meanwhile, we see the tension building between Dom and Santiago, which is going to come into play later. But, uh, obviously we know that Santiago is a bad guy, so he's not, he doesn't want, Tyrell to be implicated any more than he 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 really does not want him to spill the beans and and uh, we're gonna see his threats a little bit later so we get that uh, interaction uh, we and then this is the one that I think was really uh, one of the most insightful of this episode uh, and that is Angela's mindset after this whole thing and we touched on it earlier but Angela is really in kind of a crazy place as you said uh, she's watching the news reports and Darlene comes in to talk to her and we see that Angela is just like rewinding these news clips she's watching the E-Corp buildings be destroyed and and, and implode and fall to the ground and uh, she's like in this trance I don't know how to explain it uh, you know what's what's the best word to say it but she's just staring at the tv like a zombie and uh i think she's really dealing with a lot of internal struggle of uh did she cause all these people to die or again does it matter uh are they all going to come back to life somehow with this stuff that she's been fed by white rose and uh she says to darlene they're all going to be all right right and and darlene just looks at her like she's crazy yeah, I mean, this is the same thing that happens, uh, you know, uh, right after you make a giant purchase. Um, the next few days, you're like, did I make the right purchase? Did I make the right decision? It, buyer's remorse. Right, She's having right. buyer's remorse uh, right after this. But, you know, uh, think of think of the last time, like, you broke up with someone or you had something bad happen to you. You spend the next day, like, thinking, no, this didn't happen. No, no, I can change this. This is okay. This will be fine. I'm going to be all right. Like, look at them. Look at them. They're coming back, right? They're, you know, it's a... Uh, Oh God! Like like people, I've known this is like she almost has PTSD. Yeah. A- after this, right? She she's not willing to accept something major like this happened. And again, like making you know allegories or allusions to th- real things that happened. And, and would you agree that um, this whole E Corp uh, White Rose? What's the event that they're calling it? Like the the destruction? There's a, there's a name for it, right? The seventy one buildings, right? That this this is essentially the nine eleven, right? This is them making overtures to 9-11. I, I can see that. I mean, I'm not... That's what I'm interested on in your view of it, because I didn't pick up as many uh, of... The, I mean, I could definitely see similarities, but I'm not so sure of all the exact parallels that maybe they're trying to make a statement about. So uh, is that how you took it? Yeah, yeah. Because it allows them to manipulate the... It allows them to manipulate the population such that um, they can then use a, a disaster like this uh, to really move forward with what their true plans were. Gotcha. Right? And so you look at like uh, the five nine event that was like too big to fail. Like that was like the bringing down of all the major banks. 
right? Yeah. Like that's the, okay. And then um, they think, okay, well, we're going to destroy all this evidence in um, uh, in two in uh, stage two, uh, but in, in in turn turns out to be a giant terrorist attack, right? Where they take down all the the giant buildings, um, so that. But the ultimate real goal is uh, that China would be able to annex Congo, um, and then they can push their their currencies on, on everyone. But it's really going to be a puppet regime. Yeah, and I, the, the way that you're able to do that is through giant, um, large scale events like five nine, like nine eleven. Well, so what what's really got me confused, and you'll have to tell me if we know yet, and maybe no one knows the answer to this yet. But so obviously, there's this ecoin that we saw price at the beginning of the season is trying to implement ecoin, obviously very similar to Bitcoin as the, this new currency, and he's getting all the countries to come behind it and to rebuild using it, and it's the standard currency. Um, obviously, Zhang and the Dark Army want to take down E-Corp, and uh, he, he obviously has animosity against Price uh, and and the company. But what what is he actually trying to accomplish with this whole Congo thing? Because I, I get that they're annexing the Congo, and ultimately we find out in this episode that he wants to move his power plant to the Congo, which now is annexed from China. So. Sure. What on earth does that even mean? Maybe I'm just too dumb to get it, but what okay. is his goal here? So 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 it, it's almost like imagine if you will, um uh if, if we could use real life events here. This is where I, this is where my mind was going. And sure. I could be 100% completely wrong here. But think about how you know the 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 large corporation multinational corporations like E-Corp, they want to push and and make the currency of choice to you know, around the world, their currency, the American dollar, right? So that everything would have to flow through them. They control everything. Well, China, obviously, they want uh, control as well, right? They want um, – so they will uh, put a giant elaborate plan. Let you think that, okay, well, yeah, if you partner with us, blah, 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 give us what you want. You know, we'll make sure your interests are – are carried out. We turn out that it's a double cross by China, right? It's kind of very similar to what they're doing here with, you know, with uh, us attacking uh, countries around the world, borrowing money, you know, free money essentially from China. China's building up all our debt so that they are the real ones that are, you know, uh, pulling all the strings, right? Making all the real decisions for us. Sure. Um, and making us go against our own, uh, the American government's own uh, interests. And I think they're kind of doing that. They're making statements about that in the show with Ecoin, Bitcoin being the, in real life, I guess the the, the next cryptocurrency. Right? Is that what they're calling it, cryptocurrency? Yeah, and it's I, it's I, crazy. I, it, uh, it was worth eight hundred dollars a year ago. It is now worth over nine thousand a coin. It's insane. Yeah, it's, and, it's insane. And it's all um, the uh, it's the Asian markets that are really investing and pushing in it. They're driving this price. And so I can't help but to think that this is a direct parallel. This is a direct parallel. Yeah. And so my thinking is just like multinational corporations go into uh, and have exploited the African continent, perhaps that's the reason for the annex because they know the the rules and regulations would be uh, there'd be less eyes in, in in understanding what's really truly going on there and maybe they're um, maybe it's not a plant but maybe it's like a, a an e-corp or not an e-corp it's an e-coin mining facility 
uh, similar to what they do with Bitcoin. And again, I don't know enough about Bitcoin to fully understand, but I do understand there's Bitcoin mining that happens. Sure. It uses uh, a do you know ton much about power? Bitcoin? Yeah. Right. It, uh, it requires a lot of resources. Yeah. So I assume that's the reason for this whole. I think that's what this. That's going to be the culmination of, of of why he wants to put something there in. in in the Congo. Well, yeah, and that that really does clarify it, though, because I, I know these are all theories, right? So none of us could be right, right here, but, but it makes sense, though, that if China wants to annex the Congo, so that way there's not regulations, and they're trying to do something that may be some kind of, I'm just throwing out terminology, but antitrust or against the sure. law because they're supporting this currency, and then they're mining it either illegally or somehow outside the boundaries. Well, if it's not, if it's taking place outside of their their jurisdiction or or their ownership of this country like yeah they can get away with things outside the law right exactly so yeah exactly what yeah so that makes more sense to me so that that's interesting what's also crazy to me is this kind of flips the script on what my theory was for that power plant and again i'm not completely sold i'm not throwing away the time travel theory so (laughs) don't don't feel like i'm just completely abandoning it and all those people that are are behind me with it and thinking that might happen i'm just saying that this kind of it's interesting because now we have to watch. At first, I thought the power plant was doing some crazy kind of, uh, you know, time travel technology, and that's what was drawing all the power. But if now we're thinking the power plant that White Rose is moving is because they want to use the power to mine all this currency and manipulate currency and take over uh, as, as you know, who, who obviously the people with the money have the power, uh, as they also talk about in this episode with all the elite rich people that uh, after 5-9 and after stage two are out having their parties and their cocktails and celebrating, exactly. uh, mm-hmm. you know, so they're wanting to get that power and that currency. So now I'm on the fence it's like are they trying to go through with this crazy sci-fi time travel thing or are they trying to use this power plant to manipulate currency and and uh, you know have more money than anyone in the world and therefore become the ultimate power so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all goes down right and i thought it was and i thought it was actually a brilliant observation in that the elites of the world and obviously Sam Ismail, I think, has a very um, his <laughs> he has a very specific viewpoint from a, a political perspective, and I think he has a voice of, of what he's trying to say. Yeah, and this is about, very clear about the American yeah. society is that um, the rest of us, right, the worker bees, um, the ones who really feel the effects of uh, the happenings, and when a recession hits, you know, it hits us the hardest. Um, meanwhile, the elites, the aristocracy, the American aristocracy, this is the, what I got from the scene, um, when, uh, Irving is, is telling, uh, um, Elliot, uh, look at them, no matter what happens, they're going to still have their bourgeois parties. Like they're still like nothing that you did, your plan, what you hope to achieve really, really achieve what, what, what the outcome wasn't what you expected. They're still going to have their parties. They're, you know, and that's and that's what happened here, right? So I, I think that they really are. Uh, Sam Ismail is trying to get a very specific viewpoint about uh, our society, and when you when you think about it in the way that I did, uh, it's a little fucked up. Yeah, but you know, it's completely true, and that is the most obvious parallel. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and and what I think Sam Ismail is trying to hammer home is no matter what happens to those people, uh, or to all of us, to the country, to the world. There is that 1% that is going to 
move on with their life and it's not going to affect them. Uh, The banks crashing, the loans, uh, whether or not your bank account or your loans are cleared out or whatever, that's small potatoes. These people are the elite. They control things. They have so much money that you know they're they're just out there celebrating and and it doesn't even make a difference uh to them and and it is kind of crazy out there and and obviously with this political climate he's trying to make that point that that everything going forward uh you know you think that that they're trying to help you but really they're they're the ones that are going to benefit the most so yeah very very uh true to what's going on right now um, so we moving forward, uh, we see that uh, Red Wheelbarrow is actually mentioned on the news. I think it's because of the bust that happened uh, with Dom and the FBI. And obviously Tyrell escaped before she could get to him, but ultimately they end up capturing him. But uh, does that mean, did you take from that, that Red Wheelbarrow, like their cover is blown and that they are just a shell corporation? What was the importance of mentioning them in the news report? Um. You know, your guess is as good as mine. My, my, the way that I took it is that they're they're again just hammering home uh, that the red wheelbarrow that they understand that the, the it was a front operation. But as many of these uh, multinational um, shell corporate, like a, a lot of these multinational corporations, will set up shell companies to shield them from the actual activities, right? That's that's going on, and and create layers upon layers of layers to to shield them from uh, who's really uh, behind everything. So I think that's what they're trying to get at. But I could be completely wrong. Yeah, I just couldn't tell specifically if they were saying that. Oh, you know, are people supposed to dig deeper into this? Are they saying this was happening at Red Wheelbarrow, so it must be this cover corporation, or were they just saying Red Wheelbarrow because that was the physical location, and yeah. we know what's going on behind the scenes, but. It could it have been, you know, oh, Tyrell was found operating out of a Walmart or a CVS? Is it just one location? I, to me, I didn't take it as that the whole shell has been blown, if that makes sense. Okay. I, I don't know yet. So I'm, I'm interested to see if we see wheel, Red Wheelbarrow still operating or if because they're associating Tyrell with operating out of there, if the entire company is now being implicated and are they going to just disappear? So uh, we'll have to see for sure if they answer that in further episodes. Um, But yeah, uh, Santiago sits down with Wellick and he ends up turning off the camera in the interrogation room. We've seen that, that scene time and time again in movies and television. Uh, But he says, it's just us now. You can talk freely. And uh, Wellick, of course, goes straight into uh, you. Things are not happening. How we discussed. I told you I wanted to see my family. I want to see my wife. I want to see her immediately. He starts making demands and Santiago pretty much comes straight out and just says it like he doesn't uh, even give him any time to process it. He just says, Joanna's dead. And uh, he he does not tread lightly on this subject. He's just like, yeah, apparently it was a lover's quarrel with a dude she was banging. And like, to me, it's like you see you see the the uh, disbelief uh, wash over and the emotions wash over Tyrell or Tyrell's face. Sorry, uh, now that we know how to pronounce it, uh, (laughs) I just want to say Tyrell all the time. I do too, right? I do too. Uh, But you see it it go over his face, and at first. It's like he doesn't believe him. He thinks it's a lie. Then he starts to believe it. And uh, like the horror, I, I just think hats off to him as an actor. Like it, it's fantastic. And uh, he eventually comes around and just says, I don't believe you. This isn't true. Uh, he tries to say that to Santiago. I want to see her. 
And then again, Santiago just lays out, lays down the law and is like, yeah, this is how it's happening. Joanna is dead and uh, your son is in foster care right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, he starts laying down these statistics like apparently uh, oh, he's in pretty good hands. Only one out of every five kids gets abused in foster care. Sure. Uh, but then he holds it over his head and in the end says, uh, you're not going to tell anyone about me. Uh, I know that's what you want to do, but uh, you tell someone about me and I'll make sure that your son becomes another statistic out there. Mm. So, ah. yeah, so I mean, so, so well, like, I mean, that's the one way to flip someone. If you, uh, if you really have, um, have, so the druthers to do that. Yeah. He, he holds all the cards, right? So the dark army and Santiago working for them, they hold all the cards because Terrell has no one left, right? Johanna's dead. Uh, what else does he have? I mean, the whole F society thing, like he thought that working with them was what he really wanted, but, but he was being manipulated by the dark army. So, uh, they've used him as a fall guy. And, uh, you know, they obviously had bigger aspirations that none of us realized until really this episode, the bigger picture. Uh, so he has nothing left, but his, his only family member. And of course he doesn't want any harm to come upon his son. So yeah, I, I don't really think he has a move to make right now terrell does i mean he has to kind of just go along with their plan that's right uh so uh meanwhile back in the desert so we see that leon has taken uh, our two friends uh that are uh the uh, uh, uh trenton and mobley have been working at this electronics store i kind of see it as a geek squad thing with the white shirts and the black tie uh, it, <laughs> exactly. it has to be a parody because we oh, with, without a yeah doubt. we saw them in season two working for the big box electronics store and now they're in white shirt black ties so yeah they're they're a geek squad type worker but uh they're out in the desert and they're sitting in the back of this caddy and uh, they see Leon out there just digging this grave and they're trying to say, what is going to happen? What are they doing to us? Like Leon has not given them any clues, any insight into what this whole thing is about with, with them being held prisoner by him. And uh, they, they talk about, Oh, well he's digging a grave, but the grave only looks big enough to hold my friend that he killed. So maybe they're going to try to recruit us and use our skills. So meanwhile, while all this, is happening uh you see trenton trying to uh get out of they have like it's almost like a, a laptop lock i think it looks like a luggage or laptop <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's some kind of a tech tie in there it's like one, yeah. one of those uh kensington locks for a laptop or something but her hands are all tied up with that and she's trying to wriggle out of it and break the lock and she breaks free and so uh mobley's like get up there and drive us out of here the keys are in the car the car's on <laughs> and of course she she's like well, I can't drive. I don't know how to drive. And so it, we get into this really funny situation where he's like, just get up there, pedal to the metal. And she takes off in the caddy. Uh, we see Leon turn around and like, it, Leon is great. I can totally understand yeah. why people love this character. Uh, I really enjoyed him in season two in all his discussions with Elliot. Uh, but uh, yeah, you just see his face. He's just looking there, turns around like, uh-huh, yeah, this is really happening. And they're just about to make their grand escape when she crashes right into a boulder. Yeah, this was this is one of my favorite scenes. It had a very Breaking Bad type feel to it. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, and it reminded me a lot of shots that we saw in the desert of um, in that series. But yeah, Leon, he's like, yeah, what, what do you... He obviously, he's so calm, cool, and collected. He is, yeah. 
And then when he, you know, crashes into uh, when they crash into the boulder, he's like, "That's no way to treat a caddy." Yeah, it's just like, like instant it like, was quotable. Brilliant. Yeah, instant yeah. quotable phrase. It's like it's already a meme I've seen going around. Uh, it's it's just so great because is it already a meme? It is. They've already got gifs of that uh, running around or gifs, whatever your preferred <laughs> nomenclature is. Uh, but they've already have them going around with him saying that, and it's like, yeah, the character is just so great, and it is because of his common collected like he doesn't have a care in the world he's Liberty. he's a total badass uh and and uh, he lives up to his name so uh so that whole situation comes down uh meanwhile we go back to krista and we find out that she actually got her lawyer involved because she she honestly believes that mr robot is involved in all these crazy terrorist attacks going on and he tells her that you know you really can't say anything because unless he has admitted to uh some kind of plan that's going to uh, go forward in the future all he's talking about is crazy stuff in the past that we don't necessarily know is true so you're going to completely lose your practice and uh your ability to practice uh, medicine because of of your hippocratic oath right so like right. there's doctor patient confidentiality and he's not not saying i'm gonna go kill this person or i'm gonna go commit this crime he's just another crazy person out there like the lawyer says there's hundreds of crazy people every day out there trying to claim that they were responsible for five nine and and all this stuff so she's in a really tough position because she she knows that something's up here but what can you do she doesn't want to ruin her whole life over it and in the end she might not even be able to stop anything or make anything happen uh so that's a tough scene to see go down. Uh, meanwhile, back at Angela's apartment, she's still watching this news report. And uh, this is a really tough scene. Like, the acting is top-notch. It's a really emotional scene. She's still glued to this TV. But this is where we see her just going forward on the DVR and rewinding it back and going forward and rewinding it back. And she's obviously having a mental breakdown. Uh, she's talking to, to Darlene, and she says, no matter what happens, everything will be fine. And and she then re- she rewinds the clip again, and we see the building go from rubble, and, and in reverse, it's built up again. She says, see, they're all fine. And, you know, Darlene is looking at her like she's totally crazy. She's the audience, and us going like, yeah, this girl is not all right. Well, she's also thinking that... Um... Obviously, she got into bed with the Dark Army because she thought that the Dark Army could bring back her mom. Yeah, and she still thinks it, right? And so, again, we're not completely dismissing it. I am starting to have my doubts now because I feel like, uh, and especially because of these conversations we're about to talk about with Price and Zhang, like, they've... they're Obviously, they're all trying to manipulate Angela. And so I was hoping that all this stuff that that they were feeding her was true, uh, and it may still be, but it's starting to look like that it's all a big play and that uh, Price couldn't get her under control, and so the Dark Army took over and ultimately got her to do everything they wanted by promising her somehow that, again, everything's going to be okay. What if we could fix everything and save everyone like she talked to Elliot in previous episodes about? And, uh, yeah, after watching this, I'm starting to think that uh, poor Angela, she's really just been fed a bunch of crap. Right. So, I mean, is does she still think that, like, well, if I still if I rewind it, if I go back, they're going to be fine. Um, so you, so this is where I think you started to lose steam in your own beliefs of, 
are we really seeing alternate timelines or is this kind of a, a simulation? Yeah. Uh, what is – talk a little bit about whether or not uh, this scene has, has completely killed it for you. Yeah, so it hasn't completely killed it, but yeah, you're right. This is definitely where the doubts came in. At this point, we know that Angela, we obviously know from previous episodes, she's been promised a lot. And this scene told me that she still believes it. I don't think that she's given up herself, but it does appear to be a little bit crazy. And I think that this is also uh, uh, talking to conspiracy theories or uh, people believing that these disasters happen because there's some other thing at play. I think it is some kind of a commentary on that, uh, but also it, it's also a commentary on uh, people being somewhat sheeple, as the term says that they're promised this thing by by people that uh, the the promise seems crazy, and especially for people that don't support these these companies or these politicians that are promising this. Uh, but people that follow them like zombies or like sheep, they believe it no matter what whether it's seems even fathomable whether fact can back it up whether science can back it up it doesn't matter uh people believe it with their emotions or they believe it not with logic but because they are stubborn and and they're gonna support this person because they hate the person that they're opposing or or whatever may be usually political leanings um so i think it's not only just trying to show us that maybe white rose was manipulating angela but i also think it's a commentary on the way people believe things that are so far-fetched but they just they they ignore all fact right. right yeah yeah you're absolutely correct but you know this is mr robot they've they've surprised us and they never make the twists obvious uh, i've never talked to anybody during a season who has predicted the whole thing i know there's some rumblings out there on reddit of somebody that like after the first episode of season two they predicted that elliot was in jail and like they went and posted oh, after wow. it was revealed the, like oh my gosh this person predicted it episode one but for the most part it's pretty hard to predict where they're going and so yeah the time travel stuff seemed a little bit obvious but now it's also pretty obvious if they're trying to just show us yeah that was a bunch of bs so i still don't think that the big twist is over i mean i think there's still something in store that that either is going to back up a crazy theory or maybe it's a completely different theory uh what about uh, the simulation theory right it may not be time travel it may not be parallel universes but what about that simulation theory we talked about are they in some kind of a video game are they just avatars like someone playing the sims yeah yeah or um did you ever see what was the the surrogates you ever see that one yeah bruce willis <laughs> bruce willis yeah but um, the, the the rewinding that kind of has that uh sort of time travel um element to it so you know there still could be some 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 truth to that but uh, it, it it looks like it might this is really truly happening yeah exactly so we'll have to see i'm still holding out hope uh just because i think it'd be cool to predict it so early but uh yeah i'm starting to lose a little bit of my uh steam on that theory i will say on a side note uh this is completely unrelated but you might get a kick out of it the listeners might you know the movie from i think 1995 the cable guy with jim carrey of course okay such a great movie it's one of my favorite 
highly underrated. Go back and watch the Cable Guy right now. It's a, it was ahead of its time. Absolutely. Oh, it was so ahead of its time. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Jim Carrey gives a phenomenal performance. It's directed by Ben Stiller. Uh, it really, really was underrated at the time, but it's always been one of my favorites. I actually went back and watched it. My wife had never seen it. One of my friends have never seen it. So I was like, okay, we're going to watch the Cable Guy. When Jim Carrey is the Cable Guy, when his character goes out on the satellite dish and he gives his speech about the, the uh, the future and he talks about this is the information superhighway and someday people are going to consume all their media right here they're going to watch their shows they're going to be able to play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam like that right. movie it, it, it really kind of sent chills down my spine like I had to do a double take like they were predicting the future I mean this was 20 some odd years ago uh, but they really were right about uh, us consuming everything on one device and, and one platform and communicating with people so i thought that was just a really interesting prediction of technology from a jim carrey movie that you would not expect it to come from so what you're saying is that mark zuckerberg was just a huge fan of the cable guy and that's why you started facebook i think so i think uh, i think yeah i think that worked ben stiller deserves some uh stock in in facebook i think (laughs) uh you know i mean if the guy that painted the murals can can become a multi-millionaire i think that uh, ben stiller can get some you know, inspiration credits there. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I I think that uh, this confirmed that they, we obviously know they were hinting at some kind of a time travel thing. Now the question is, is it just BS fed to Angela from White Rose? So we will have to see. Uh, but we go back to the car dealership. So Mr. Robot goes to Irving's uh, used car lot and he goes to confront him and talk to him about everything that's going on. He sees him working underneath a car, which I thought was pretty impressive because yeah. I mean Irving's a jack of all trades he's not just this guy that uh, he's not just a cleaner he's not just a, a car salesman and a guy that loves red wheelbarrow like he's under a car working on it right that's right that's right he, he's a, I think what they're trying to um, say here is that Irving is not afraid to get his hands dirty exactly there you go perfect so he sees him under there but a couple of uh, dark army goons are able to snatch him before he can confront irving uh they knock him out and uh he he he's going to end up waking up later and that is where we go and have the conversation that we talked about earlier with irving showing him all the fat cats having their parties right after all these buildings and the biggest terrorist attack uh, on u.s soil has ever gone down and it doesn't even affect him so that is what he wants to show elliot and and let him realize about the world uh but we jump back to uh price and zang and this is that conversation uh you know sorry to jump around but this is how this show works and uh we see price and, Z- and zang are hanging out and uh, obviously price is in a very flustered mood uh his company is falling apart they're dealing with all this crazy uh you know their buildings going down the records of course are erased because they were never transferred so they were in those buildings that went down and he also has all these casualties so terrible for him and uh you know price says to zhang that hey you got what you wanted uh you got your your vote annex now i'm here and i'm dealing with all this crap and and so uh they have this really great conversation and uh, they end up talking about Angela. And this is where Zhang says that you were supposed to have her under control and you were supposed to stop this lawsuit. And we find out that the reason price was working with Angela, and this was actually a question that I had, we talked about this uh, an episode or two ago. Remember we asked, what does 
what does Price even want with Angela? Is it a sexual thing, you know, which you didn't think, and I was just questioning. Uh, But I was like, what does he see in her? Why is this random employee getting so much attention? And here's our answer, that it was a manipulation through Zhang, through the Dark Army, and we find out that he could not control her. So that's why White Rose started manipulating her. And whether it's true or not, and it's definitely seeming more on the untrue side, but he he was able to feed her all this and get her to to do all these things uh, and execute their plan. And so we also find out that the only reason Price is the CEO of E Corp is because Zhang wanted him there, as we mentioned earlier. So uh, he said that uh, Price's predecessor couldn't get done what they wanted, so they instilled him. And obviously, uh, Price couldn't do it either. Uh, he asks, why are you doing this to me? And uh, Zhang says, it's because I had to ask you twice. And so it's just another badass moment from B.D. Wong. And uh, he is so calm and collected. As an actor, I think his his portrayal of this character who is obviously these two different characters but these 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 people of power uh that are so intimidating it's not like you ever feel like he's going to beat someone up it's not like you ever feel physically intimidated but he's such a great actor to instill that fear just by calmly talking to you and uh, this is another one of those moments where he's like uh, you're going to find your replacement. So now you're out as CEO. We'll get someone in there that can do the job just like you and your predecessor couldn't. And uh, that's that. And and he t- says, obviously, he talks about that plan to relocate the power plant to the Congo. And uh, so we got a lot of clarification there of their motives. And we find out, yeah, price is out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the perfect villain, right? Someone whose presence is so intimidating uh, that he scares you without doing uh, something crazy or something. Yeah. Um, that, and that's you know that's the brilliance of he sh- who should not be named that stars in the movie Seven yeah. is that yeah. his presence is just creepy and 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 nuts. Yeah, it's it, exactly. It's uh, he's not the mustache twirling villain. He's not that's that right. kind of villain. Yeah, it's always the calm. Cal- it's like they always say in general though in life, it's always the quiet ones, right? That's that, right. That are crazy or they're not the way you would expect him. And so, yeah, I just, I think it's very similar to Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. Like it's a crime that he didn't win an award for that performance. It was so good. We got to, I mean, we're for sure. We're going to have to see a nomination for BD Wong. And if he finally wins it, uh, I would be very happy because I, I think that he's just great at playing these two different characters. Yeah. 100%. Uh, So we talked about the parties. Uh, Irving shows Elliot about all the fat cats partying, so we don't need to go over that again. Uh, And then this is really uh, the last part of the episode. Uh, What it comes down to is we get back to uh, Trenton and Mobley, and we see uh, Zhang second-in-command, who, again, if you remember a couple few episodes back towards the beginning of the season, always was kind of jealous that Zhang didn't pick him and he knew that he could do a better job than Elliot. So this guy definitely has something to prove. And uh, so he's kind of in charge of this little operation and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Trenton and Mobley hope that they're just uh, the dark army is recruiting them for their skills. Uh, but I was a little bit skeptical watching this, uh, that we'd have a happy ending. They end up walking them into a garage and there's a couple of computer terminals set up. And right. when they show the screen, they show a bunch of FA- FAA airline stuff. There's code and they end up explaining basically that it, it's a whole bunch of stuff about trying to hack these airlines and causing crashes. 
And we find out that the whole thing is a setup. What they're trying to do is they're trying to pin F Society, Five Nine, all the E Corp buildings imploding, Stage Two. Uh, there's a camera set up there. There's an F Society mask, uh, and also an Iranian flag. It comes. That's right. It comes back this, to that. This is why. Um, this is why I made the illusion that nine uh, eleven. Uh, right there. The, the, think of think of what happens uh, right after nine eleven. Right. We. We blamed Afghanistan, right, for harboring the Taliban uh, and Al Qaeda. When meanwhile, the majority of the um, the the bombers, the terrorists who planned 9/11, uh, were from Saudi Arabia, right? Um, and we used 9/11 to then springboard into a war in Iraq, um, diverting attention away from who really is the one who's causing this, right? And so that this false flag operation they're pinning on um, these two characters from F society who had nothing to do with any of it by also, you know, uh, bringing in, you know, I, I, I ran, I mean, that just, it, the, the, it's, it's the show is brilliant in that what they're trying to come across, right. And what they're trying to get their message. Um, so that had a lot, that's when I started going like crazy, you know, Conspir- not quite Infowars conspiracy, but I was yeah. like, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> I've seen loose change. I know what the real conspirator is. Uh, but I called it. Uh, did you did you think that the FBI that was going on at the same time that that was going to be in the future? No, I I, I, I I called it. I was like, they're not going to rescue. What we're seeing is in the, sure. is in is in the past of of them um, being told the ultimate sacrifice is to you know, kill yourself. Yeah. Right? That's the only way out of it. Yeah. It was, I've seen enough movies I and mean, obviously you and I are both movie guys. I've seen enough movie and television show to see that the timelines, uh, you know, not to spoil anything, but right. uh, there's one TV show that we talk about quite often, uh, <laughs> sure. that I actually called quite early. So it's like, I, I totally saw this also, I haven't rewatched this episode. I only watched it once after it aired. So, but my recollection, and I'd be making maybe making this up, but I felt like it was taking place at different times of the day. So, like uh-huh. there was all this night vision stuff happening. Like not just because it was dark in the house, but I felt like it was totally dark out when the FBI was raiding them, and when they went to the house, I don't feel like it was dark. So, in my mind, maybe just because I mistakenly thought that like one was at night and one was the afternoon, but I was like, these aren't even happening at this same time you know what i mean like i may have just stumbled into it also uh but yeah i I thought it was gonna be one of those head fakes like they end up putting a gun down in front of uh our two friends uh from the geek squad and uh talking about the ultimate sacrifice like the hardest thing that the gut-wrenching moment in this episode is that zang's second in command he ends up saying like yeah we don't need your skills like just he's talking about these human lives here and, and to these people that are desperate. Uh, and he just plays it off like no big deal, brushing his shoulders off. Like, yeah, we're, we're full basically. Right. Like, yeah, we're, you know, the, the roster's full or, or this position's been filled. Uh, we don't need you, but there's still a way you can help. And then he says, like you mentioned, the ultimate sacrifice is, uh, dying or putting your life on the line for a, a bigger cause. And he puts the guns down in front of them. And that is when we see the FBI come crashing through and and they say, oh, we've got a dead body. Oh, we've got another dead body. 
And yeah, it was all a big uh, cover-up trying to throw the scent off of the Dark Army. And so uh, with everything, it just looks like a terrorist attack. And uh, they pin 5-9, they pin the Stage 2 stuff on them. And then the FBI, led by Santiago, is patting themselves on the back that, yeah, we, we, we didn't get the terrorists alive. That sucks. But we prevented another huge attack. So it makes it look like a big win. And uh, that's the hardest thing to stomach because meanwhile dom knows that there is something bigger at play here and still believes that white rose is the villain here and uh that's where we end uh with with dom looking at her big uh pin board with all the strings attached and uh, she ends up putting a little notepad with a question mark and white rose written on it right above elliot at the center of everything yeah that's right so yeah it's so she's she's the only one and again Think about 9-11. Think about these giant terrorist attacks. Think about, think about too big to fail. Think of all the FBI agents that warned uh, or SEC agents in, in cases of uh, uh, too big to fail. Think of all the, the people who warned uh, uh, but, but couldn't get there, uh, couldn't get the bureau to believe them. Yeah, right? and I, that's what Dom is. Dom's going to have to go rogue because the FBI, the rest of you know the political forces at play here, aren't going to believe her that you know it's it's this Chinese hacker White Rose and not Elliot. Well, yeah, and especially with the public, I mean, they've fed them, and this does definitely get into conspiracy theories. And I don't know if that is exactly what Sam Esmail is trying to say specifically, but by planting this evidence, by putting the the Iranian flag in there and trying to make this all look like a terrorist attack, you now have the public that wants someone to answer for these crimes and they've, they have a fall person. And so with the public all pushing to, to have justice done here, they're not going to be listening to anything else, right? Like people's minds are going to be completely clouded with all this evidence, which is very compelling when, you know, they presume it's all true. And so, yeah, Dom is going to have an uphill battle convincing anyone uh, to listen to her and especially being able to convince the public, which, you know, wants someone to answer for the crime. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like to me, my prediction would be that Dom is going to have to make some kind of sacrifice. Uh, I just feel like this isn't going to end well for her, that she's going to maybe shed some light on some things, but because it's such a huge battle against not only F, uh, the Dark Army, rather, but uh, they have these plants in the FBI, one of them being Santiago, her superior. Like, I just cannot see it ending well for her. No, I can't either. Yeah, so it will be interesting. I, I really hope that she ends up winning, but uh, I feel like there's going to be some sacrifice. And, and it sucks because Dom's such a cool character. Uh, she really is a badass, and I would like to see more of her, but... Uh, you know, Mr. Robot doesn't end with happy stories as we see for uh, Trenton and Mobley or as the episode shows uh, poor Frederick and Tanya here. Uh, they didn't make it. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that's that's episode seven. Another great episode. Uh, you know, coming off of the last two with, with episode five being so amazing, technically such an intense ride with that 45 minute tracking shot. And then the huge reveal and twist of the last episode that it was all for naught and that that uh, Elliot saved one building with no paperwork, with no records in it. But uh, all the other buildings fell and, and the casualties like this episode seemed 
it didn't it didn't live up to those other two because how could it right like there was so much mm-hmm. great stuff that happened uh but still i think a solid episode like i have not seen a bad episode yet this season how do you feel no this is one of my this is one of my favorite episodes because i felt like for the first time i could kind of understand it yeah but maybe that's just my weird um loose change conspiracy thing coming, <laughs> coming, coming around. No, I get that. And, and, and you made those connections before I did even, uh, I definitely saw them and I, and I can understand them, but like it clicked for you. And I know that you really felt strongly. And, and after talking to you, I totally get where it's coming from. So, uh, no, that's cool. I mean, that's how I felt with all the time travel stuff when it started clicking and I started getting evidence where, where I was <laughs> like, Oh, that's so awesome that finally it's, <laughs> it's, it's becoming clear. And, uh, that's, you know, they give us a little bit more information and, and they uh, keep things intense. They keep they keep uh, the drama and, and the action and everything uh, really heightened. And, and it's such a quality show. Uh, I think this season three is phenomenal. So uh, you know we're getting we're on the the back half of the episodes here. Uh, I'm really anxious to see where they're going and to see what theory ends up prevailing here at the end. Yeah, me too. Well, that does it for this episode. So uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening uh, and chiming in. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, but we always say it again, we would love to talk to you. Join the conversation. Follow us and talk to us on Twitter. We're at, we are at at all the spoilers on Twitter. And also, if you would like to email us a little bit longer of a note or a correction, please feel free. We are not ashamed to be called out. We want to be able to uh, correct ourselves. Uh, if you've been listening to us, call uh, uh, Tyrell, Tyrell, like a, a, like a bunch of uneducated Hoosiers or bourgeoisie, whatever, uh, please tell us. Uh, but it's also always fun to talk to you and uh, talk about all your theories and, and maybe why we're crazy with ours. So uh, again, Again, Gmail account, it's at uh, the show spoilers at gmail.com. So uh, please contact us and uh, follow along. It's always fun. Uh, you can follow me at Kevin R. Brackett on Twitter. Also follow Real Spoilers at Real Spoilers. And uh, of course, we're big on Facebook. We've talked about we have the League of Show Shares where we talk about movies, television, video games, pop culture, uh, you name it. Uh, so go to Facebook and just search Real Spoilers or the League of Show Shares and talk to us there. Raj, where can everyone find you? They can find me on Twitter. I'm at Roger underscore Roper, R-O-E-P-E-R. Uh, and also uh, check me out over at uh, ShatTheMovies.com and ShatOnTV.com. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to uh, listen to your take on Seven. Uh, it's such a good film. I really yeah. want to hear how you guys get into it. I'm anxious to hear if anybody has, you know, sometimes I get surprised. I'm anxious to hear if anyone has not so fond uh, recollection or, or at least on another viewing. Uh, maybe it doesn't hold up. So I'll be tuning in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching it in the theater with my uh, high school girlfriend at the time. And then, uh, and then, um, trying to get her in the mood to like make out afterwards oh my god that was that's quite a struggle but to hear that and other stories at shat the movies oh my gosh that's twitter that's so funny check check us out yeah i just have to say uh shout out to my friend devin i he i'm trying to get him to watch mr robot so he's gonna have to binge it and catch up so i know he's not listening right now but uh if you're hearing this uh he's gonna have a laugh he took his he took a date with a girl that he had never been on a date with before to go see Darren Aronofsky's mother. Ugh. And so <laughs> now that I hear is an intense, uh, crazy, um, odd movie, um, that is 
it's strange for the sake of being strange, and it's an allegory. Spoiler alert: if you, it's it's about Mother Nature uh, and, and religion, and religion, yeah. and and what we have done to this earth as a result of both. Yeah, it's a it's um, it's heavy. It's a crazy movie, and also the subject matter. I mean, it is just bonkers. It is rated R. It's a hard R. There's just nut yeah. stuff in it. But I, I just laughed so hard when I found out that he took a first date to go see it. And so your story about seven made me think of that. And uh yeah. I, I think did, it did did he get did he get the make out afterwards or no? I don't think so. I don't oh, think okay. she answers his phone calls anymore. She doesn't answer oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh that's a good that's a good solid first of all, here's the thing. Don't take first dates to movies. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, that's no, that's a great point. I, I, I would like to you know, I would like to add on to that. If you're gonna go after the movie to discuss it, have some dinner and talk about it, like I could see where you could get to know each other. But if you're just gonna go to a movie to sit in silence for two hours and then go drop yeah. the person off at home after that, like how are you gonna get to know each other by other than just their taste and buying a movie ticket, right? That's exactly right. So, and obviously, it's not going to work out if you go to a movie like you know. Exactly. Mother. So for all for all you ladies out there, Devin is a fine person, and he likes all <laughs> sorts of movies. And so, check him out on Bumble. Yeah. Uh, we'll post his Bumble profile on, on Twitter. There you go. So you cannot judge a book by its movie choices. So That's you know. Right. But anyway, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> like I'm kind of a snob when it comes to like if I. If I'm out dating a, a woman uh, or a guy, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but the, if their movie choices are terrible, uh, I, it makes me not want to date them. No, no. I, I could see that. I'm, like, if you get to know someone and it's like you're just not compatible, I get it. I just mean, like, watching one movie, that may not describe sure. an entire person's personality. But uh, anyway, those are the type of stories that you get uh, by listening to uh, Shat the Movies and Shat on TV. Uh, it's always a fun time. Uh, so listen to Raj and the guys there. Listen to Real Spoilers. And of course, tell your friends if they love Mr. Robot, uh, tell them about our show. Tell them about Show Spoilers. And uh, we would love to have uh, more listeners and more discussions. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, and until next time, have a good night. Bonsoir, Tyrell. Tyrell. <laughs>